Welcome to the Hook and Fang Podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. And I'm Masmetics. Welcome to another episode. Mm-hmm. Episode 16. Hey, we're, we're getting there, man. We're I chasing mean, down 20. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey. It's on the horizon. Uh, so how have you been? Good. Busy. This past weekend, I did a ton of writing. Like, Good. I, I So my normal, like when I sit down to try to write every day, I try to hit at least 500 words and I put that benchmark as my... I really can't get through writing, but if I could at least hit 500, I'm good kind of thing. But if, but typically if I'm in the mood, I can hit like 12 or 1500 this past weekend. I knocked out like 5,000. Yeah. I was like on fire. So I was like, yay. I <laughs> just wanted to celebrate it a little bit. Is it good? Yeah. I awesome. mean, it's, I'm at the part of the book where it's really fun. So I'm mm-hmm. like, there's just a lot of action and like steamy stuff happening. So I'm just like throwing words down. I'm just happy. Like I'm chasing good. the momentum. So good. yeah, so that's my week started off great because like Sunday was really productive. Yeah, you needed so, one of those. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, not as productive. <laughs> not not throwing down five thousand words productive, but I <laughs> I'm continuing with my uh, recording of the Beautiful Nightmare series, nice. and that will wrap up. The fourth book will wrap up the end of this week. They actually just scheduled the fifth one for nice. end of January, early February, something like that. So okay. it shall continue. But yeah, that'll be the last thing I do for someone else this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because after that, then I start recording our January, not January, our December audiobook <laughs> of the month. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. So that's on the horizon too. Yeah. <laughs> we start that next week. So. Very cool. I'm excited. And then we finish it next week because mm-hmm. the week after that, yeah, it comes out. There's Quick holidays yeah. and stuff, and <laughs> yeah. I won't be around. So. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to say to all our listeners, thank you very much for sticking with us last week. Uh, there comes a point when, like, it's 8.30 at night on a Thursday, and your computer just will not cooperate, where yeah. you say, fuck it. <laughs> this is not happening this week. Yeah. Because even if my computer started working right now, it would still take several hours <laughs> For me to finish this episode and put it on the internet yeah. so that it could come out the next morning. Damn. Because like I wasn't even at the part yet where I was like rendering the video and mm-hmm. that's what takes the longest is when you're done and you say, okay, now go make a video. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so yeah, that just. Damn. That sucks. Yeah. Kinda right looks, around Thursday. Yeah. I was th- 8.30 on Thursday. I was like, this just isn't happening. Yeah. We had a good run. We had 14 episodes in yeah. a row come out when we wanted them to. Uh, this one's going to be late. And it, it was late. It came out Monday morning. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's technology. Sometimes it's just going to not work. That's yeah. that's computers in a nutshell. Sometimes they're like, Meh, and they just stop working. Like, cool. Love that. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. I don't love it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I would I would prefer that it did it did not do that. Yeah, I would like them to work when they say they're going to work mm-hmm. and at like relatively consistent speeds. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing mm-hmm. too. Where they're like, I'm working, but suddenly I don't remember where my memory is. Right. So I'm just gonna slog through this for two days. Right. And like, cool. Man, hopefully this week will be better. I don't know. Maybe we're a Monday podcast now. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> we have that kind of power. We can shift if necessary. But yeah, let's uh, let's hope it was. Well, a- we'll continue to aim for Friday. Yeah. Um, although I will say when we were planning like when to do this, mm-hmm. 
I didn't think about the weekend buffer. But you yeah, know, it's actually nice to have it done mm-hmm. and out on Friday, and then I'm not thinking about the podcast really over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, because then you can just have your weekend, and yeah. you don't have like homework. You know what yeah. I mean? So I mean, I still sometimes will work on stuff over the weekend, but sure. yeah, not not like oh, it has to come out. Yeah, like first a thing weekly morning, thing. Right. Yeah, right. For sure. So yeah, no, we're not going to change that. Okay. We're going to keep it on Fridays. I like it. It's our end of the week treat to the. I like it tens coming out and on Friday. tens of people who tens listen. And, tens. and we love our tens and tens of people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thanks for sticking with us on that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of technology. Mm, good there's, segue. There's something that has come up in bits and pieces as we've been having conversations with authors, as we've been talking, um, but we haven't addressed it directly. Right. And this week I've seen two very different takes on artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. from authors in our community yeah one very pro ai saying it's a tool and i'm going to use it Mm -hmm. another very anti-ai saying this is taking advantage of artists and will disadvantage all of us Mm -hmm. i'm not going to use it right I've also seen some other takes that are like somewhere in between. Like there was a big to do in the narrator community last week because an author was like, I'm not going to use it. But narrators, they're so hard to work with. And we were all like, whoa. Wow. Like, bad take, sorry. man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, sorry, we're human beings and sometimes are late with things. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that was a whole to do, but we won't Oof. we won't get there. Um, but yeah, it was just stark to see these two totally different takes from mm. people in the romance writing community. Um, And then what really struck me was the responses in the comments Mm -hmm. because it became pretty clear pretty quickly that there are varying levels of understanding of how we got to where we are and what might happen in the future. Yeah. So let's chat about that. Okay. So what's your current understanding of like artificial intelligence and how it can do your job or my job? So from what I understand, it's still an ever growing tool. We'll go ahead and use that word just to simplify things. Um, it right now is, I think, still in its infancy. Like it, it can throw down, like if we're talking about like writing specifically, it could come up with some good blurbs, synopsis kind of things. If you try to write a book with it, you need to go in and edit it because it's doesn't quite understand the nuances of the language or like, you know, metaphors and things like that it's pretty black and white so but in theory you could type in a prompt you know i want to write an adventure story about a kid discovering you know coming of age with dragons and it'll barf out something for Mm -hmm. you and then you can go in clean it up and publish it right um so i i think if left the way it is now and people are still feeding information into it and like teaching it because it's a learning algorithm, it will get to the point where it could mimic pretty well. And that's what concerns me. It's not that I think it's going to like make writers obsolete. I think it's just going to be easier for people to just like put in a prompt and like publish something right away mm-hmm. and it not be like a human crafted kind of story. Right. Um, and I, I feel like it's very similar for the narration side of it. I think I'm a little bit more, familiar with like the writing process of it but like the Mm -hmm. narration part of it i think is the same kind of bar like it can mimic human voice but doesn't quite get the nuances of like 
this is a sad part. You probably should put some emotion into right. it. Or, you know, this is obviously supposed to be read sarcastically or something where it'll just, just read it to you. Right. So yeah, it's, it's cool in like a technological, like, wow, that sounds like a person or like, wow, we could mimic people's writing mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's not cool because it is kind of ripping away any type of career path or it's, it's not a, it's chasing that part down where it's, it's right. going to start impacting people who are trying to do this for a living and like, you know, making the Kindle unlimited pot too sparse or people opting out of, you know, hiring you because they're like, Oh, I could just run it through a computer mm-hmm. and it'll just read stuff and people will be fine with that. Right. So that's where it stands right now. And it's, I don't know, man, it, it gives me the ickies. Like I'm, I'm trying to, be more open because I, I want to be that person where I'm like, oh, I see both sides or like I can see where people are coming from. But it's really hard for me not to be like, no, that's bullshit. Right. Well, and I think where the misunderstanding comes in mm-hmm. for a lot of people is they don't. I hope they don't understand this. Right. And that's why they're not against it. That's my um, hope too. My hope is that they don't understand that every one of these programs, whether it be creating art, writing, uh, or narration, mm-hmm. they have all been created using someone else's ideas, right. work, and or voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. That were taken in most cases without permission. There is an exception in the narration community. Apple Books put out some voices and they paid a few narrators very handsomely to copy their voices and their cadences. And mm-hmm. like those voices now can narrate books through Apple Books. Yeah. Um, Amazon has not talked about where they got their voices, but we know Amazon owns Audible. It owns ACX. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in all likelihood, my voice, my narration that is on audible was used to teach this AI how to do my job. Yeah. I was not consented or I was not uh, contacted about that. I did Mm -hmm. not consent to have that happen. Um, There is no world before a year ago when I would have understood what artificial intelligence using my voice could have even done. Right. Um, So, and that's me and it's everybody else and it's every author that uh, has written an article or a book that those AIs have scraped for their information. Mm-hmm. Um, you use the word mimic and that's a really good way. To, like it doesn't create things. Yeah. It just mimics what other people have already done. Right. It is taking someone else's work, reimagining or repackaging it and then putting it out there as though it is its own product. Yeah. That is where it is simply not okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Yep. Um, this is not a, a an issue where like depending on your ethics or your morals or your uh, finances or whatever it is that you can make a decision that's right for you and other mm-hmm. people will make other decisions. Like, no, our work has been stolen. Yep. And it is now being used to take further work away from us. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think we're a a huge part of the anger and injustice of it all is is like, it just sits like a knot because it's, we, it's been proven time and time again, we have the receipts Mm -hmm. (laughs) that shows that this is how this stuff has to be programmed. It has to be fed information so we can pick it apart and then 
toss words back together or toss voices back together. So it's not just, it, it's the epitome of like disruptive technology to me. It's right. coming in and it's just ripping a pathway through something. And I, I think what frustrates me is when you have hopefully people who just don't understand that it's being stolen and they're like, I don't understand. They're shutting down the conversations. They are, you know, championing it being like an accessibility thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas you also have authors who are, have to know more about this than the average reader. Cause we're in it. We're, we're mm -hmm. learning like Amazon is like prompting us now being like, Hey, this is a thing and like read more right. about it. And they're still choosing to be like, well, you know, I don't have any money, so I have to do it this way. Right. No. <laughs> and, and let's address that really clearly. Yeah. It is not an accessibility is, thing. No. If this were just about improving uh, e-readers, like the uh, text-to-speech mm -hmm. readers for people who need that, uh, they would not be charging for the service. Exactly. This is, But this is not what they are doing. No. Uh, it is not like, oh, we've just improved... Uh, the little voice that reads to you if you need a PDF read to you. Mm -hmm. uh, for accessibility purposes, this technology is fantastic. Yeah, The fact it is. that it can make it sound more like a human voice and you can maybe uh, understand more easily. Mm -hmm. um, if it was just that, we would have no issue with it. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, but it's not that. It's it's being marketed as a way to make an audiobook. Right. Yeah, and to make and money. And you will make money. By making an audiobook. Yeah. Exactly. And it's that I think that's what's really frustrating because people are leaning on that as a crutch. They're like, well, it's for my readers who can't, you know, who need something read to them. I'm like, no. If if that's how you really feel, mm -hmm. make it free then. Produce an right. audiobook and make it zero dollars. You're not gonna do that. Right. Plus, I don't think Amazon will let you. <laughs> like no. you have to charge something. Right. So it's yeah, it's right. it, it it's again, very frustrating. It's, it, I, I wish this were being used mm -hmm. just for accessibility purposes. Yeah, I would love it that because be, it helps with editing too. Like yeah. I'll, I'll like have, I'll turn it on and have it read to me. And that's sometimes how I'll catch like goofy sentence mm -hmm. structures and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, would be great as like an editing service, accessibility thing. Mm -hmm. 100%. I would be and the first one by it. And nobody's trying to sell it as like, right. Here's a human who's reading to you. Just mm -hmm. kidding. You know, right. It, it would be understood that like, this is a, computer voice mm -hmm. um and we've really improved our computer voices isn't that great yeah uh i just want to make that very clear like there are that as a tool ai has its place yes for accessibility uh for disability for uh people who struggle with learning in lots of different ways and in lots of different environments mm -hmm. um there are great ways to use this technology yeah uh but it's not being given away to people who could use it in mm -hmm. good ways, it's being sold to people who will use it to replace artists. Yeah. And that is the crux of it. Like, yeah. That's where we, we run into an issue. Mm -hmm. um, improve the technology by all means, if it's for helping people. Yeah. 100%. I could get behind that. That sounds great. But that's just, it's not what it is. Cause if it can make money, that's how they're going to pitch it. They right. can make w way more money with authors, you know, clicking that box and being like, sure, yeah, make this a AI narrated thing and we'll mm -hmm. sell it for eight bucks because it's right. steel, you know, and uh, or, you know, just a bunch of just garbage writing that just get they put in a prompt, they tweak it a little bit, knowing full well it's being like scraped from 
all these people who've actually put blood, sweat, and tears into the work. So mm-hmm. you're just, you're Frankensteining this monster that you're then releasing out again for like two bucks. People might pick it up and because it's a good deal and they're reading and be like, it was okay. But like, if you keep doing that, you're going to make money. And I think that's, you know, the biggest draw. And that's, that's where the problem is coming from is because you have all this, basically we have a term in the video game culture called shovelware where it's like cheap crappy games that they just pump out and it's garbage and they release Mm. it for really cheap and it like takes up shelf space from these beautiful works of art so this is like the writing an a or a narration version of shovelware it's just garbage but it's cheap so people will buy it so you've got people like me and you who are busting mm. our ass trying to like craft these things. Right. And then this other person's making bank because they're putting out $2 audiobooks constantly. Well, and are they even doing that? Because like the way it's being sold for a lot of people is like, you won't have to pay as much upfront to produce the book, but you'll still sell an audiobook mm-hmm. for $14.99 or $18.99. The way or that you'll they- still sell your ebook. If, mm. you've, if an AI writes it, they'll still sell that ebook for $2.99. Yeah. Or whatever the ebook price standard yeah. ebook. Like nobody's talking about making things cheaper for the consumer. Well, it's all about making things cheaper for the the person who is create maybe this is more for audiobooks, but like mm-hmm. it is all about making things cheaper for the person who wants to make an audiobook. Nobody's right. saying, and then you can pass those savings on to your readers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody's saying that because that's not the expectation. The expectation is you will still make your 2 to $3 per book sale on mm-hmm. an audiobook if you sell it through Amazon. Yeah. Well, I've seen people saying that they're like, the marketplace got flooded with really, really cheap eBooks because people are doing prompts and then knowing it's garbage, they charge not a lot, but because they have so much, like it piles up after a time. I, I saw some conversation, whereas like the, they, when Amazon came out with the AI thing, they were like, you can price it anywhere from eight 99 to 14 99. Like you can make it really cheap and like entice people or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, if you're pumping out like, you know, four audiobooks a day, you could probably mark them down to $8 or whatever mm-hmm. and try to like build up the backlist and make money. But yeah, but you're on so the flip side. So they'll actually let you price the audiobook? Because I, I, they don't it let you do that anywhere else. I know. Originally, when it was pitched, they made it sound like you could set your own prices. But now I'm seeing conflicting things like um, one of the author peers that I follow. They said that they, of course, they didn't actually publish it, but they went into the guts and they were Mm -hmm. like, okay, I want to make this thing. AI narrated one of my choices. And she was like, it set it to like 21 and she couldn't tweak it at all. I was going to say, Amazon sets audiobook prices based on the length of the book. Yeah. So I guess that's- We have no control over what those prices are. We never have historically. mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I have not seen anything saying that they will be able to discount audiobooks. Yeah. So I, I guess maybe they retconned it because I remember when it first came out, I was like, oh, well, why the hell would you do that? And now, now it's like they're locking mm-hmm. it in because I guess they were like, yeah, no, right. <laughs> we want to make like top dollar kind of thing. Right. So. And the other thing that comes up time and time again for me is just like, this is how capitalism works. Mm-hmm. Somebody will come in with something new yeah. and they will say, here it is, here it is for a great price. Yep. And then as soon as the competition is gone, as soon as it's the only game in town, yep. the prices go right back up. Oh, for sure. Like we know this is going to happen. So what you're sacrificing, if you use this service, is the quality of a human narrator. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll be the first to say, some human narrators aren't good at this. <laughs> yeah. And they still get plenty of work. Mm-hmm. Because there's such a demand 
and they are out there. So if you are saying like, well, I've heard some bad audiobooks. Of course you have. Yeah. Well, and it's bad to you, but other people like it, you know? That's true. There's no such thing as a bad art. There's art I like and there's art I don't like. Right. But like there are narrators who just read Mm -hmm. and they don't do accents. They don't put any emotion into it. Their concept of an audiobook is I sit and I read it out loud correctly. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. So those those books are already being created even with humans. Mm-hmm. But the majority, I would hope, mm-hmm. of us are really trying to add something to the story yeah. that makes it more entertaining, more empathetic, mm-hmm. more valuable. Yeah. And that will be gone if you put us all out of work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's not going to be like at some point in the future we go, oh, you know what? We miss those human narrators. Let's bring them back. Like we um, will have sold our booths and our equipment and we will be working a day job somewhere because we didn't have the money that was flowing out of our pockets because we were excited about a new option available to authors. Yeah, exactly. Like when th- at that point, the damage is done. You, right. can't, you can't walk something like that back. So that, and I'm not convinced that you will get a return on investment, even if you pay for an AI audiobook. I'm hoping not. Like at least right now, the market is saying, no, 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 we don't want this. So okay, you saved seventy five percent of the cost of an audiobook, Mm -hmm. but you don't sell any copies. You still wasted a bunch of money, right? And as we have said from the very beginning of this podcast, through our efforts to do H and F audio, some books economically don't warrant being turned into audiobooks. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. No, it's 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 one of those lessons of being a creator is that you can't do every single form of media. Like it's yeah. just not an option. Like I would love to be able to turn Smash and Grab into a comic book. Yeah. I don't oh would it gosh. make that'd be so much fun. Yeah, it'd be super fun to like rewrite the story into that and hire an artist and do the mm-hmm. whole thing. I wouldn't make that money back. No. Like no, because it's not that kind of story. It's just not feasible. So it's Mm-mm. it's the same with audiobooks. You can have an amazing story that just does not make enough to justify you paying what it needs to be an audiobook. Maybe later in life or whatever, but like sometimes it just doesn't work. I have no. like my whole Stallion Ridge series does not make sense for me to turn it like for me to pay for an audiobook for it. Yeah. That sucks. I love that series with my whole heart, but it just doesn't make that kind of money. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Yeah. Just keep producing books. Keep, you know, trying it different things. It is a things. matter of economics, not value. Exactly. Yeah. Things can have great value and not economically. The numbers won't add up mm-hmm. to do the next thing. Right. Um, I would not be surprised if in the next six months we saw a comic book AI. I mean, like, they hey, already have the right or the drawing. Out, yep. Put out, yeah. you know, put your manuscript into our AI generator and it'll pop out a comic book for mm-hmm. you. And then all of those comic book artists will be like, oh, wait, 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 excuse me. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be in the same position we're in. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, to a degree, everything already exists. Yeah. To be able to do that, somebody just has to put it together. Mm-hmm. And they haven't yet. Yeah, it, uh, but it's I, coming. I doubt it's I doubt it's a far way down the road. Yeah. Same thing um, with, I'm sure, it, like, because they've got AI video and stuff now, too. So you're going to get some goofy movies coming out. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's that's the pipeline. Like right. it's, it's just, it, it's always art that gets attacked first when it comes yeah. to these like disruptive technology kind of things. Cause every, that's what everyone wants to do. If you talk to anyone and be like, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? No one's ever like, 
I would go work at a bank. It's like, no, I would take up painting again. I would start writing. I would, you know, start working with blowing glass or something. Mm-hmm. It's always like some type of art form that people use covet. glory holes. That's why you want to do blowing <laughs> glass. You got me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we're connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also an argument to be made about, um, at least it's one I've seen often enough that like when you remove the human element, like some of the human drawbacks mm-hmm. uh, go away, but, with any technology, you still have humans on the back end. Yeah. You're still going to have humans working through glitches in customer service, in billing. Mm-hmm. Like there are still ways to get screwed over by a human, even if you're not using a human narrator. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Like, Very true. And at least when you're working with a human narrator, you know who to yell at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. It makes it a little bit tougher when you're mad at a program because mm-hmm. the program is just following ones and zeros. Yeah. It's it's not something that can help you through something or change or anything. You, right. It is what it is. Yeah. So I would like to recommend some things that our listeners can do if they want to help spread the word mm-hmm. about uh, what's happening. Um, I would say it is okay to respectfully, when you see someone talking about using AI, mm-hmm. respectfully, uh, express your concern over the fact that the technology is built off stolen intellectual property Mm -hmm. and that you are opposed to that. Yeah. You don't need to take anyone to task. Uh, Let's talk about the technology, not Mm -hmm. the people using it. Right. Uh, But if you can, in the right time and space, and sometimes the comment section is not the time and space to do that. Mm. Um, and maybe maybe that's not a good way to do it at all, like doing it publicly or doing it on a page. Like if you see an author you really admire saying, oh, I'm going to try the AI thing, maybe just send them an email. Yeah. You don't have to make a thing of it publicly because uh, I think we all get our hackles up when we're called out publicly. Yeah. I was going to say, I think I... I think there's a right and a wrong way to approach this exact, well, any, any topic you're fired up about, but the worst thing you can do is to get angry or attack them or belittle their point of view mm-hmm. about X, Y, and Z, because that is just going to make them double down and like go back into their shell and yeah. ignore you. Cause as soon as you start isolating people or making them feel stupid or wrong about something, it never helps. Right. That's just part of our stupid human brain. We, we get defensive, we get mad. So if you're able to approach it with, um, an air of, uh, compassion, understanding, and just kind of polite, like you said, politely, respectfully, let them know what your concerns are. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the person who's going to be like, Oh, okay. I'll read their article or like, maybe I'll take a step back. Cause I'm like, you know, right. my readers are expressing concern. Right. So again, we started this conversation by by saying, let's assume that people just don't know. Yeah. Versus they know and they are maliciously working against me or you or anybody else. Sure. Um, because it's so easy to be tricked too. Oh yeah. Like uh, I, I'm sure there are many people who are thinking this is such a great advancement, mm-hmm. uh, and they were never going to hire a narrator anyways. So, you know, it's not like they're taking work away from a narrator. Um, but regardless, it's still s- stolen. Mm-hmm. Like 
the intellectual property was stolen and is being used without our permission, mm-hmm. without our consent. Yep. Um, and so therefore it is still wrong. Uh, so, you know, if they pulled one over on you, that's not on you. No, because it, um, it, it's, it, it's really hard for people to know what they're looking at unless they mm-hmm. have fallen down the rabbit hole. You know, yeah. like with AI art, we'll take that because that's still like shared a lot and people yeah. think it's really cool and stuff like that. Um, I'll have people share it in my like Facebook group and it'll be like some fun dinosaur tents or whatever. And at first I would get mad and be like, guys, it's AI, come on. And I'm like, as this keeps progressing and as more and more people are seeing these images, mm-hmm. I, it's becoming more apparent that a lot of these people just have no idea. Yeah, They just, they can't tell the difference because it's getting better every day. Right. So they'll see it and be like, oh, it's just a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that it's computer generated, it's stolen artwork, that kind of stuff. They're just on Facebook having a good time. They have mm-hmm. no idea. Yeah. So I think it's, we have to be conscious of the fact that a lot of these people just have no idea or it was pitched to them as like an accessibility thing or uh, a good side hustle to make money because, you know, you're tired of working two jobs, you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that a lot of that yeah. mentality happens. And, you know, everybody's guilty of being like, well, yeah, I'd love extra cash. Yeah. So it's just taking a moment to be like, if it seems too good to be true, maybe look into it a little bit more. That's a very good way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it almost happened to us Mm -hmm. because like, I don't know if you remember, but like I had the whole website built and like uh, a style guide created for Hoof and Fang. Mm -hmm. And then, Oh yeah. Realized that the stock site where I bought the image that all of that was based on was in fact selling AI images. I remember that. And then I had to go check Mm -hmm. because I thought I was safe. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm through a stock site that I trust. They pay mm-hmm. artists. I know people who have submitted their artwork to this stock site. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. And then I found out by reading an article weeks later. No, they are in fact using AI generated art. Mm-hmm. They are selling it as stock art. Yeah. And I ran mine through a generator, and it was like, yep, ninety percent like uh, possibility that this is. AI generated and then even looking back in the stock site like the artist was like some nonsense string of letters and numbers and it was like yeah oh yeah i had to be like all right sorry we can't use any of that (laughs) yeah yeah. i remember that now gotta go find another image that's actually by an artist yeah and make sure that it's actually an artist Mm -hmm. and then use that instead so yeah it's it's so easy yeah to to think that you are supporting an artist and realize after the fact that you're not yeah so no shame it happens. Um, but when you know better, do better. Yeah, that's that's all you can really do. Now that you have the information, you know to be a little bit more diligent, ask some questions, do a little bit more research, and then you can avoid this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's knowing just the first part of it is going to get you 90% of the way there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, uh, I'm glad we addressed that mm-hmm. fully. Yeah. Uh, emotions are running high about it in a lot <laughs> yeah. of different spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think it's because it's that, it's that feeling of like, don't attack me. Mm-hmm. Don't attack someone that I know and I like. Yeah. Um, we got to take that framework away. Like it yeah. is not an attack to say, I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. It is not an attack to say, I would like to make sure you are aware yeah. of this thing. That you might not know. 
Uh, it is an attack if you go on somebody's page and you're like, you asshole, I can't believe you're doing this. Right. I'm never going to support you again. I'm going to lead the campaign to block you, cancel you, dox you. Blah, like, mm-hmm. That never helps. That. that never helps. Yeah, it only it, people only dig in more. So don't do that. Yeah, don't. Uh, but amongst friends, in safe spaces, and privately... I hope that these conversations are happening Mm -hmm. and that the like us talking about it here can educate some people who didn't know about it. They can go forward and educate their circle and we can come to an understanding uh, that as exciting and innovative and kitschy and fun as some of this stuff is. Yeah. um, It is ultimately going to be detrimental to a lot of people. Yeah. If we, accept it as a replacement for human artists. Mm-hmm. I agree. Speaking of a human artist, yeah. we had the chance to speak <laughs> uh, this week with author April Kelly. Uh, April Kelly's works include The Journey of Jiminy Wren, a Rainbow Awards finalist, by the way, uh, Whispers of Home and the St. Lakes series, and she has over 30 more. Since writing her first story at 10, the characters in her head still won't stop telling their stories. If April isn't reading or writing, you can find her taking a long walk in the woods or going on her next adventure. Here's our chat with author April Kelly. Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast, author April Kelly. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're really excited to have you. You are uh, among our guests who we basically have on because your stuff looks really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, we have, great. Like, I don't think we've had a chance to meet at conventions. I haven't worked with you. Uh, it's just like, wow, their stuff looks really cool. Let's mm-hmm. talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> so for our benefit and the benefit of our listeners, can you tell us uh, like how you got started, how you found your way to writing uh, books? What's your origin story? Um, well, I've always wanted to be a writer since I was a child. I would tell my sister's stories like verbally before I could actually write them down. Um, mostly about Fonzie and, and uh, ghost stories. So that dates me a little, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would never have guessed. Yeah, right. Well, to be fair, it was it was Happy Days reruns. Yeah, okay. Like Nick at Night but sort still. of stuff? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, okay. no, like on, I grew up on a farm and um, we didn't have, it was before, like really, um, I guess cable TV came to every house. We just couldn't get it. So sure. we had like seven channels. So Happy Days reruns is what you watched. <laughs> <laughs> That that was television used to be what was on, and that was it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Or you went outside. Yeah, my grandma was really great (laughs) about telling me outside, outside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, I have a story still from when I was ten, handwritten out. So I've always been a storyteller, and my family has been very supportive, um, even as far as getting the um, a typewriter 
when I was 11 for my birthday. And Mm, um, that's awesome. And now, even now, they're very supportive. And, um, well, especially now, I guess. So I've been telling stories for a really long time. (laughs) I think I feel like that's amazing. When did you publish your first book? Uh, February of 2015. It was a book called Whispers of Home. in uh it was set in a small town in Pickleville. It's still out in it's not um it's very contemporary MM romance. Uh but yeah, that was my first first yeah, there's nine books in the series too. <laughs> I was gonna long. say I was I was checking out your work earlier and like you have some long series. Yeah. You stuck with those characters. I do, and I really like sticking with the characters in the world. And yeah. so, yeah, I even create spinoffs and everything. I love it. Do you find that's a really good way to like build an audience over time? Well, I guess probably the data doesn't show that really, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that there's a cutoff where mm-hmm. people just, where you start losing readers. Um. So I think as an author, we have to make a decision on whether we keep going to whether we satisfy the readers or whether we satisfy ourselves, basically. Mm-hmm. And I made the decision to uh, satisfy myself. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. It's it's I mean, it's certainly not in vogue in romance writing to like stick with a series for more than like five, six books. Like that sort of seems to be like the invisible limit that we've decided is, is what's viable. Uh, but I think it's really cool when not only I, I like it when you get to st- stick with like the same couple for a few books, mm-hmm. I like seeing like uh, a romance where the relationship evolves over time. I know that's not popular, um, <laughs> but I also like just seeing a world expand and like getting to meet more and more people from a place but again, yeah, me too. I'm in the minority. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, but I, so am I. And I will read long series too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the longer, if they're out, that's even better. But I'll wait. I have a, I was, I've been a reader for a really long time before I started publishing in the um, MM romance genre in general. Before ebooks became a thing, yeah. I've been reading it. So um, for me, I the I'll have a list of authors that books I want to read the next series so I don't forget. So then you have to remind me. I've got it covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I'm like it's especially when it's authors who I just I've I've fallen in love with their universes or the series that they're writing. I'll pre-order immediately because otherwise I will forget. So like I mm-hmm. I often will be like get that notification that the next one's out and I'm like oh yay it's like Christmas for myself because my memory is garbage. So I'm always like delighted that past me has my back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. I forget which book did I reach out to you about first. I think it was. Um, my Wingspan series, which is a series about dragon shifters. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. I would have been. <laughs> I was about to say, that sounds like something you would have been like, ooh. When I was doing my searches uh, and Amazon kept saying, if you like this, you'll like this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. That way I would have gone down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, can you tell go. us a, a little bit more about that series? It's a spinoff of uh, St. Lake's 
my Saint Link series, which is probably my most popular. Um, so it's set in the same universe. And Wingspan is really a small town filled with dragon shifters. Um, and they experience some, um, a little bit of violence, I guess. <laughs> Just, you know, humans coming and taking mm-hmm. over, trying to take over their worlds and figure them out and stuff like that. And you've got, uh, is it just uh, dragon shifters? Do you have other magical creatures in the world? In that series, there's, I kind of mix it up a lot. Mm -hmm. So in that particular series, there's vampires um, that play a pretty key role. They're main characters too. Um, And then in St. Lakes, there's everyone. Yeah. Uh, Witches, warlocks. As a matter of fact, St. Lakes is centered around. a uh, man who discovers he's a witch instead of a warlock. And so he's got to figure that out. And he's got abilities that um, he's the only one that has them in the entire world. Ooh. And once people figure that out, that's why in Wingspan, it's also that those same people kind of come to both places and um, the, the bad guys, I guess. There's a lot of bad guys. There has to be, right? Right, right yeah. <laughs> Balance it out. I mean, if you're going to do a bunch of books, there have to be a bunch of bad guys. Right, right? makes sense. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I Is it too spoilery if I ask what is the difference between a warlock and a witch in that world? Um, Typically, it's just genderized. Mm. But, um, well, that's how I started out. And I think that changed for me over time because i i wrote that in uh 2015 and um i think now it was more with uh the main character's name is lucas lucas has um the ability to heal and the opposite of that too take a life just by thinking about it kind of thing Mm. Um, scary he can also read minds everyone's mind and that's not a typical thing. Oh God! So it ca- became about his magical abilities more than his actual gender. And what was it that drew you to? If you you said you started with a contemporary romance, I did. But you seemed to quickly transition to some paranormal and fantasy. I think because it held my attention more. I could. Yeah. I like world building. That's really fun. I also like reading about other people's worlds. Um, so. I think for me, contemporary small town romance was fine, but I was just a little more interested in, you know, throwing a dragon shifter yeah. in there. Now and then, <laughs> right? Your imagination was more engaged by the yeah. fantastical. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. hey, we made a whole podcast about it. So yeah, we get we it. Get it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you are among friends. That is, yeah. It's so fantastic, too. Good for you guys. I watch yeah. every week. So, Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love the idea of sort of like going beyond gender in the magical world. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that seems like a really cool concept. And part of why I asked, cause I was like, that was my impression too. It's like, it's witches are female warlocks are male. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we grow and learn more and as the world around us changes and gender becomes less important, like what was that distinction? And does there need to be a distinction? 
it's just a really cool question to kind of approach in a paranormal situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think my understanding over time changed. um, Oh, my God. 2015? Since 2015, so much has changed. (laughs) Big time. I mean, 2015 is when we got the right to marry. Finally. Yeah. I mean, people feel like people sometimes forget like no 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 it like that just happened yeah it's we not, are not very long we ago are not, we are not even 10 years into being able to do that and yeah. so much that we've learned about identity and sexuality and relationships since then like mm-hmm. man 2015 me was a prude <laughs> compared to now yeah <laughs> you know me too i think i've grown as a person for sure and that does reflect in miss saint lake's books i feel which is great in what way well, just my understanding of gender and the fact that it became more about the magic that he holds instead of his actual gender. Well, and I know, too, that you had mentioned in um, our questionnaire that we sent to you that one of the books that you really connected with that you really like was a sci-fi regency. Is sci-fi something that you might dabble in in the future, like kind of playing in space instead of like fantasy? I actually have a book out. It's called The Journey of Jiminy Wren, and it's um, less space, but it's more more dystopian. Oh, okay. And so I do do like that, too. I don't think I would dabble in um, sci-fi in any other way but dystopian, honestly. Yeah, sci-fi is one of those, I think... I one day want to try to dabble, but I also like intimidate myself because sci-fi is, is, it can be as crazy and blown out as like your mind will let it. Like you can get into the nitty gritty of like how the spaceship works or like the crazy aliens, (laughs) but yeah. Yes. And I feel like the readers who like that are, and I do like to read Mm sci-fi romance. So it's not that I don't, but I feel like the people who really, really read it they're, they do have some like genre expectations, yeah. um, just like fantasy readers do. And you kind of have to know what you're talking about a little bit a while still, even though it's um, very creative and you could be very creative, especially with world building and stuff like that. So, and I don't really know what those genre expectations are. I want to like, you know, uh, please the readers. So. You're right. <laughs> Well, that's a very responsible position to take mm-hmm. <laughs> because yes, you can, <laughs> some of these readers are salty. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you I can mean, piss some not, people yeah. off by not knowing the rules of the genre in mm-hmm, which you are trying exactly. to sell a book. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen it happen. Oh yeah. Those poor, mm-hmm. poor new authors who just, <laughs> they who just, just didn't know any better. Yeah. They just followed their heart and had no idea that all these people were waiting to pounce like yeah. as soon as you release yeah, I just, I didn't know the genre expectations either. I was just a reader and I read a lot. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that way I did, but you I just wrote them. whatever I wanted yeah. and it just happened to be what like people actually liked it too. And I mm-hmm. kind of stuck with the genre <laughs> expectations like, yay me, but I didn't do it on purpose at first. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, just, uh, how like our understanding of science, uh, and how that has affected science fiction, mm-hmm. uh, because we know so much more now than we did when, 
like H.G. Wells was writing a story and right. we could kind of believe that these things were possible. Like now when you write something science fiction, there's some nerd out there who's going to be like, well, actually, uh, <laughs> based on basic physics, yeah. uh, this would not be possible. And it's like, OK, thank you very much. Right. Nerd. Um, <laughs> I know. Like, let us it's- have our fun. Like I, I saw an explainer video the other day about how Godzilla couldn't be Godzilla. Because like based on like body mass and weight and how much like like something that large simply could not exist and move on Earth. Yeah, but it's a monster, man. <laughs> well, well, I'm just letting you know. I know, but like the in, science says no, apparently, well, according like to this video. Different mythos. He's a god too, so like he can break the rules. It's Godzilla. <laughs> exactly. Leave him and King Kong alone. Right? (laughs) Let them be giant monsters, okay? Let us have our fun. Yes. Well, but that's, I mean, that's the world we live in now. It's like everything's online Mm -hmm. and everybody has, like, everyone can see what you're doing. Yeah. And that invites Mm -hmm. even the people who you wish weren't paying attention to what you were doing. (laughs) And it, and it gives them the ability to, like, reach you and your audience almost easier than you can. Yeah, I don't, I don't envy uh, authors who have to navigate that that world. And I think you all do. I don't think anybody escapes. Yeah, no, there's the always going to be somebody game. about something. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of nerds, though, uh, what is the trouble with nerds? <laughs> oh, that is <laughs> the last book in the St. Lake series, The Little Nerdy um uh, Henri gets himself into a lot of trouble by inventing um, and discovering a way that humans can become vampires. Ooh, and that creates a whole lot of problems up to book 13, which isn't out yet. That comes out in, I don't know, probably March. <laughs> Prop, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Soonish. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, I was about to say I felt that in my soul. We were like, probably March. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how I, I do mine too. <laughs> yep. It's pre it's on pre-order for like way in advance, but fingers crossed I get it done before then. Nice. If somebody was listening and they've never read anything that you've read before and you wanted them to start with a particular book, knowing nothing about the reader. Where would what book would you want somebody to just start with to get an idea of who you are and the and the worlds that you build? Probably leave it all. It's the first book in the Saint Lake series. Um, that one is a good representation of of my work, and I awesome. I'm still in the world. So, well, and that that the book from would that be from 2015 then as well? Yeah, in the series, I'm just finishing up the series. Yeah. Um, well, next year probably I'll start it. Yeah. The next, the last book, but yeah, I love that. It's cool. Yeah, to be able to say like I'm, pr- I'm still proud of this thing that I made. Like, please read this. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I think as authors, we want to like our. We always say our best book is probably the the one we're working on or the last one we wrote, and that's true. I mean, you grow, the more you write, the more you grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the best story I've ever told, it's probably close to that one. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I Yeah. I was going to say, I need to take a, a page out of your book because I yeah. often complain about the fact that like my very first audiobook is like still the most popular thing I've ever done. Yeah. And it's like, oh, come on, man. I get that I, way too. I'm, I'm better now, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, I definitely get in my head about that too. Like it, it, when people pick up Heartache and Hoofbeats, which is the very first thing I ever wrote, I'm always happy that they're delighted, but I'm always a little cringy about it because I'm like, oh, that one, huh? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah, the one I wrote right. last year, which I feel like is like way better representation of where I am now. Right. Picked up the one from 2018, huh? Great. Great. Love that. Well, maybe we need to reassess and understand that like the bulk of what makes us us was present even then. I like that. It's a, it's a good mm-hmm. takeaway, I think. Sure, we might have refined or changed or tweaked or gro- and certainly grown mm-hmm. and hopefully improved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the bulk of us, the 90% of what makes us us was mm-hmm. also present in that very first effort. Yeah, that's a better yeah. way of thinking about it. Although I do wish I had had a better microphone back then. <laughs> so like that, <laughs> that I'll, I'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you kept the same covers throughout the whole, like since 2015? No, they've changed. Okay. No. I was going to say they're fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they're great. My cover artist is is wonderful. So I can't really take much credit yeah, <laughs> so. i would have been very surprised if you had said yes like because you would have been way ahead of the trends right in 2015 uh no of sadly what they look like. no they've yeah. changed <laughs> four times i think interesting they were never what? like they were always like fine but this is probably the best that they've gotten for sure what is it that makes an author think now is the time to do a new cover Market trends. What is everyone else doing? What kind of books are on the bestsellers list? What do the covers look like? I mean, that's kind of an authory thing to say. So it's not me saying it to the readers, but but mm-hmm. I will say, like, yeah, you. I just wanted. I just knew that my books, my book covers were outdated, and wanted to update them. And these are a much better representation too of every um, cover I've ever had with them for sure. So outside of what other than writing, do you have like uh, creative hobbies that kind of like refill your well when you're not sitting down, like cranking out amazing worlds? I travel um, uh, quite a lot. My kids, are, I have two children, adult children, and I visit them often. And I think that probably is what recharges me going to see them and then coming back home kind of thing. Yeah. Do they live pretty far? Um, my oldest daughter is um, in the Navy. She's a submariner in the Navy. And oh, awesome. um, she's stationed in Virginia at the moment. And my youngest daughter is at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, you are far. all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I travel. I, we travel a lot as a family, too. So we'll meet each other somewhere. And When you are sitting down to work on a book, are you somebody who outlines or do you, are you a plotter or a pantser? I guess there's not <laughs> yeah, a better way to ask that question. That's the best way to ask. <laughs> Everybody asks it that way. That's the question. I'm kind of a planter. So <laughs> I guess I have an outline. 
I do have an outline. It's rough. It just gets me in the right direction. But it always changes halfway through. And then I'm never good at with endings. I don't know the endings. I don't want to know the endings. <laughs> so until I'm there, until I'm at the mm. end. Um, and so the ending is always, almost always uh, pantsing. Yeah, I can. I've done that a couple of times. I, I usually don't know the ending when I start a story. And so I kind of have to figure it out as I go. So I'm glad I'm not the only crazy person who does that. <laughs> what inspires you when you're writing? Do you get your ideas from anything in particular? Oh my gosh. My madness, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I don't know how I get my ideas or where they come from. They just, my brain is just this hot mess inside, really, I guess. <laughs> I don't really know. Like, I don't have serial killer documentaries. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and even that's not weird enough, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty normal, um, I think, nowadays. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the dragon shifter thing came about because I watched The Hobbit. To be honest, that, yeah. listen, and I like the. Hot I thought, you know, yeah, man, I I get it. That, why is the dragon the bad guy? You know, that was like it's making the good guy. Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, you have these people. <laughs> yeah, they just show up, like, just showing up in his lair. Mm -hmm. He has a Stealing whole situation worked out. Yeah, St yeah, and they're there to steal from him, and they're like, oh. Now you're going to throw fire at us? That's so bad. I was like, dude, you came to my cave. Yeah, right? I Appropriate yeah. response. I would also be angry if somebody just showed up in my cave. I've got my gold. I'm taking a nap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you woke him up. And now you, now he's mad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you steal his stuff. Like, come on. So misunderstood, these hot dragons. He was. <laughs> so misunderstood. <laughs> And if they all sound like Benedict Cumberbatch, I wouldn't be mad about it. Yeah, but in my head, they all do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. Actually, yeah. I am doing a dragon in a book right now, and it does kind of sound like Benedict Cumberbatch. I love it. They're strangely oh, British dragons. <laughs> Sometimes. I love that. In this, in, <laughs> right? in this world, they're strangely British. I don't know. Hey. It, you, who, who knows where those inspirations come from? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is there anything else you would want our listeners to know about you as a writer or your work or where to find you or how to support you? Um, they can go to my website. It's April, uh, author, April Um, that's the best way. Well, like I said, we'll make sure to share all of that in our show notes as well. Uh, so that everybody can find you and follow you and hopefully get you some new readers. Cause that's okay. Part of why we're doing this is to make sure that like people who like the thing you do can find you. Well, thank you so much. Many thanks to April for joining us here at the Hoof and Fang podcast, the 13th book in the Her St. Lakes series, The Trouble with Nerds, comes out July 5th. 2024. So you have a little over seven months to read the first 12. I'm envious of how long that series is. And I, like we, we talked about it in the interview or, or yeah, in the interview, how about like the drop off for series like that is, yeah. is typically like five or six, but like, I would love to do like an epic 
series like that and have like 20 books that yeah. sounds rad i mean animorphs hey. is what like 100 <laughs> yeah it's 54 54 okay. plus some extras but hey mm-hmm. wild contracts i think that one just keeps going hey you it's know the, it's the gay dresden files <laughs> let's just keep going um if you are an author of queer speculative fiction and you would like to chat with us uh let us know by sending an email to hoof and fang podcast at gmail.com uh we love meeting new people and talking about their work and the mm-hmm. work that they love uh so uh don't be afraid to pitch yourself as a podcast guest hey love it let us know uh, and listeners, feel free to reach out via any of our social media channels. Uh, or you can also email us at hoofandfangpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is hoofandfangpodcast.com, where you can also find a link to our Patreon page and our online store, where you can now purchase our first three Patreon-produced audiobooks mm-hmm. uh, with more exciting stories on the way. And we will be back next week. Yes. Hopefully on Friday. Yes, fingers crossed. But we never know. <laughs> Bye.